coming up. This case on the surface seems very simple, but it really had a lot more behind it. The further you dug, the more you found. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. It's been nearly a decade since 20-year-old Katie Lavender was found dead in her apartment in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Just over nine years ago, Katie Lavender's mother got a knock on the door with news that no parent could ever imagine receiving her daughter had been killed. Despite a few early leads, the case went cold. But detectives now say they have new evidence. What does it feel like to you to see that face? No, that's the person you're looking for. It's frustrating. Yeah. It's very frustrating. That's the person who I need. Every time you take a bag, it comes all back. Do you think about her a lot? Yeah, I do. Sarah Horbakowitz joins us from THV 11 in Little Rock, Arkansas. Sarah, you recently covered the case of a 20-year-old woman named Katie Lavender as part of your Unsolved series with THV 11. Can I have you introduce us to this story? Tell us about Katie Lavender. This is a story from 2013. And so Katie Lavender um, was a local to Arkansas. You know, she went to school at Henderson and then she moved to Hot Springs. Everyone says she was a bookworm. Her mom said she had a lot of friends, um, but maybe she didn't think she did because she... She thought she was pretty shy. She had a boyfriend, kind of just a, you know, young girl figuring out life, moving around. But of course, as this is a cold case, she was killed back in 2013. And so we took the time to really, now that it's a little over nine years ago, look back as to if there's anything new and there actually was new evidence. So really unpack that and see where we are now. What was going on in Katie Lavender's life leading up to her death in 2013. Yeah, so this case on the surface seems very simple, but it really had a lot more behind it. The further you dug, the more you found. Um, Right before she moved to Hot Springs, uh, she was actually kicked out of school at Henderson. Um, Her and her boyfriend got involved with a local lawyer, and all three of them were arrested for solicitation and prostitution. Um, The lawyer's license got suspended. Katie was kicked out of school. The boyfriend actually... um, Um, was not kicked out of school, we were told. Um, But so there was a lot of change in her life. She moved back home for a little bit and then moved to Hot Springs. Um, And she was only there for really a couple months and maybe a year um, before she was killed. Um, But, you know, they said there was some weird phone calls before she was killed that she was still figuring things out. So there was definitely a lot of change, some turmoil going on right before that. Um, The mom also says that, you know, her Katie's relationship with her boyfriend, in her opinion, wasn't always the best, um, that it seemed kind of controlling, that he was always listening, wanted to know where she was. Um, so there was a lot of that as well. Um, just kind of looking in different things. I mean, it was it was racing season uh, and she lived right down the street from Oaklawn. So there was a lot of different people walking around, a lot of tourists. So Detectives had a lot of different paths to follow uh, and still didn't come up with a strong, you know, this is who we think it is. Walk through what happened then on March 19th, 2013. Yeah, so um, Hot Springs Police Department got a call uh, that Tuesday night 
to go to 515 Higdon Ferry, which was Katie's apartment. It was a Tuesday evening. We were um, actually at work. It was about 6 o'clock in the evening when we got the call um, of a possible deceased person at 6.15 Higdon Ferry. And that call came from Katie's boyfriend, who says he found her body in the apartment. They didn't live together, but he would, you know, visit from time to time because he still went to school at Henderson. Um, and so he said she was found. Detectives came to the scene. And after that, honestly, there's not a lot that's public knowledge. The details around her death, can you tell me anything about that? No, ma'am. Anything that happened inside that apartment, there's going to be two people that know about it. That's the person who did it and myself. When you spoke with Hot Springs Police Detective Mark Fallis, who was at the scene that day, did he talk at all about that, about what the scene looked like, anything that that he noticed? Yeah, so he was one of the first to arrive, and that's part of what he couldn't talk about, is how the scene looked. Um, Really, the details of how her apartment looked, the details of what they may have seen is all specific, and he thinks very delicate to this case, and something that only someone involved would know. So we weren't allowed to share any of those details. Um, Another thing about that was the one thing they did share was that they believe she got into a white car the night before she was killed or the night she was killed. Um, And they did release pictures of that white car. Local news outlets shared it of if you've seen it, but it was a blurry security camera footage. um, And they're not really sure. They think she talked to a man before she got into the car. But a lot of that, again, is vague. And those details of how she died that normally will come out as maybe, you know, a gunshot. So they're looking for a gun or something like that. This is very um, held tight by the detectives so that they can hope to one day talk to someone and someone slips up and releases information maybe they shouldn't. One of the quotes that stood out to me in your reporting on this, Detective Fallis told you everyone's a suspect in these kinds of cases. Where did investigators look as they started to to investigate this homicide to try to figure out who killed Katie Lavender? Yeah, so that's part of, this was a pretty long piece as far as some of these stories go. And that's because there were so many possible paths to look down. You know, you could look at people she was at college with or the lawyer or her boyfriend or, you know, all different kind of things she was involved with. Um, so when he says everyone's a suspect, that's kind of what he means is they really looked at everyone involved in her life. And then on top of that, they did DNA sampling and the photo that matches or that computer generated of that DNA sampling doesn't even match the suspects that they thought might be it or the persons of interest. Um, so when he says everyone, there's people that they don't even know are a suspect right now because they see this face, but they don't know who it belongs to. Talk about that new evidence. What are the latest developments in this case? Yeah, so this was actually the first time the public was getting a chance to see this new DNA evidence. Uh, DNA was swabbed at the scene, you know, over nine years ago, and it took a lot of time and it's an expensive process, but the Hot Springs Police Department were able to send that DNA through a lab. It's called Parabon Labs, um, and I'm actually speaking with them later this month to go more into how that works. Um 
but they were able to come up with a picture of what the person with that DNA would likely look like at the age of 25. So they don't know how old this person was, but the DNA will come up with a composite image of what they think the person would look like then. And so now they have this face that I think it was 93% confidence um, is a Latino man. And that didn't match the other descriptions of people they've spoken to. Um, And it had some other characteristics on there. But when I showed that photo to Katie's mom, Katie's mom also didn't really recognize him. She said maybe it was a friend one time. Uh, maybe she's seen him around, but she wasn't really too sure. What else are police doing now to try to figure out that man's identity? Yeah, so you can actually... The lab offers the ability to look at the DNA even further and come up with possible... Um, The lab offers the ability to look at the DNA further and come up with possible relatives as well. Now, some of them are long shots. Some of them are, you know, way down the line. And that is pretty expensive. They do have some of those, but it didn't seem, none of them seemed close enough where it would be of any help. Um, But that is something they're looking into. It does cost more money to look further into that. So that definitely is, they said, one of the roadblocks right now. Uh, The detective said to me, you know, if people have deep pockets that are listening and want to see what happens, they're willing to uh, accept that from the public. But they're looking right now with this new information to see if anything comes up uh, and then looking to maybe go deeper in the future. Katie's mother is now offering a $1,000 reward of her own money. What did she tell you about her push for answers now nine years after her daughter's death. Yeah, so when I first reached out to Katie's mom to talk about this case, it's always hard to call families and ask to talk about someone they've lost. Um, But she actually also lost her husband last month. So when I spoke with her, it was from a really deep place of she is going through a lot of grief, a lot of hurt, and now two important people from her life are gone. And she and her husband when he was alive, both really want answers. You know, she said she thinks her about Katie a lot. She emailed me while I was working on this, some of Katie's poetry, um, favorite things she liked to do, some pictures. Um, and it's any mom, you know, talking about their daughter that they've lost. It's just unimaginable pain. And so she does want that answer. And she said she didn't always have the money, but now that she does, she wants to put that personal $1,000 reward out there if someone can get a suspect arrested. Sarah Horbakowitz with THV 11 in Little Rock. Thanks for sharing the story. Thank you so much, Reed. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to or following The Daily Crime wherever it is you're listening right now. If you're looking for something else to listen to, you can find a full list of our shows at vaultstudios.com. That includes our weekly podcast, True Crime Chronicles. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. <laughs>